Good morning, good morning, and welcome to Coffee and Prayer. I'm Pastor Andrew F. Carter, and it is 5.30 a.m. here in Inglewood, California. You guys, as you are tuning in, please let me know where you are and what time it is, where you guys are at. Good morning. Welcome in, fam. Hello, hello. Oh, the coffee's hot, and the, the word is even hotter. We got some... We got some good stuff for you guys this morning. We got some good word. Praise the Lord. Good morning. It's 7.30 over there in Texas. Good morning, Brother Christian, Brother Gonzo. We got Baltimore, Maryland, Seattle, Washington, the great Northwest. I love it in Seattle, Washington. Watsonville, California. Hello, hello. This is a worldwide ministry, you guys. It is a beautiful thing. God has brought us together 139 days in a row. We have read through the entire gospel, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. We've read through the book of Acts, the book of Romans, which was fire. And here we are in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Again, we are spending each day reading one chapter of the New Testament, one chapter of the Old Testament. At the end of each book, we do an altar call, a digital altar call, where people have an opportunity to get saved or rededicate their lives to Jesus. At the end of Romans, we had over 25 people. Glory to God. It was an amazing show out. It was an amazing show up. The Holy Spirit meets us in this place. We stand on James 4, 8, where it says, draw near to me and I will draw near to you. This is a promise from God. We know that as we set aside time, we make him a priority. We make him, uh, you know, he receives first fruits of our day, our time, our energy, our effort, our resources. Uh, We show up, we show out, and he always meets us in this place. Amen. So good morning, good morning, good morning, you guys. Uh, I'm happy to be here, but if somebody would be as kind to put uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Look, man, right before, right when I, as I'm saying it, literally, it's done. I love it. But look, we got people from Germany, Miami, Connecticut, Manila, Oklahoma, New Zealand. It's 2.30 a.m. I couldn't do it, fam. It's too early. No, you know what? That's one thing. Okay, before we jump into this, that's something that was uh, I wanted to share with you guys. That was something that was on my heart, how I'm speaking. I could do it. That's just it. There's so many things that we could do. We can't mix our our, our preferences with our abilities. I, I I can't when we say that we can't do something, we are limiting ourselves. Amen. So for me, I'm getting into this habit of catching myself when I say that I can't do something. Is it true that I can't do it, or is it true that I prefer not to? So many people will say, "Well, I can't get up for coffee and prayer." That's not true. You can. You have the ability to open your eyes and wake up. You prefer not to. I can't run 10 miles on a treadmill. That's not true. You have the ability to run the 10 miles on the treadmill. You prefer not to. We have to stop getting our preferences uh, mixed up with our abilities because many times we have the ability to do things that far surpass our understanding. Our, our bodies are willing. Our bodies are, our, our bodies are able, but our minds aren't willing. So we have to remove the idea of can't, right? There are some things that I can't do. I can't hold my breath underwater for 60 minutes, right? Uh, I, I'm not going to try. That will probably uh, lead me to knocking on the door of heaven a lot sooner than God had planned. I can't fly if I were to jump off of a building. There are some things that I cannot do, but I have to be careful that I'm not mixing my 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 abilities with my preferences. Amen. 
<laughs> Vic says, no, dude, I actually couldn't run 10 miles on the treadmill. Again, so that is the truth then. Your ability is you can't run 10 miles at this point, but you could if you trained for it, right? Uh, so yes, your, your preferences and your abilities don't get them mixed up. So I could get up at two 30. You could do the things. There's a lot of the hard things and challenging things that you could do. You just prefer not to. Amen. Come on somebody. Anyway, in, uh, in, in, in first Corinthians chapter two, we talk, we, we have Paul here and he's saying, dear brothers and sisters, when I came to you, I did not come preaching God's secret with fancy words or a show of human wisdom. Right. One of the things that I learned while teaching CrossFit, this is all regarding Second uh, Corinthians, is I went to a level two, uh, a level two certification. It's a two day certification. You go to this place, they teach you. There's hands on. There's practical. They put you in these circles and you teach your peers. In order to be at a level two, you have to be a level one. A level one means you have a certain level of uh, education as when it comes to teaching and coaching CrossFit. Level two is like a coaching preparation. So you're basically there with other individuals who are coaches. But each time we break out into these small groups and these small groups can have anywhere from five to 10 people, but they're your peers. It's not me teaching people off the street. It's me teaching other coaches. So the level of excellence is higher. So in these small groups, you have to stand up in front and you have to treat your the coaches as if they're clients and you train them and you get feedback. And the feedback that I received, the one thing that I took from this uh, level two certification was that I got up there and they were like, well, what move do you want to teach? And I said, I want to teach the deadlift. I love the deadlift. And I, I'm a great coach when it comes to coaching and teaching the deadlift. So as I'm there, I'm explaining how you activate your posterior chain and your chest is up and you set your core and make sure that your feet are underneath your knees. And the lady goes, okay, hold on, stop. And I go, yeah. She goes, say less. And I go, okay, well, I thought I was doing a great job explaining and so I said, okay, well, then then I want you guys to place the weight in your heels. And as you're, you're lifting, keep the bar close. And you want it to be proximal rather than distal. And she goes, stop. Well, say less. I go, well, you need to know these things. She goes, no, no, no. She goes, people aren't here to hear how much you know. They're not here to hear how fancy your speech. You're talking about posterior chain. You're talking about distal. You're talking about proximal. She goes, people didn't show up for you to uh, regurgitate how much information you've retained. They're here for you to teach them how to deadlift, dumb it down, make it simple. And I was like, wow, that's a, that's a really good point. These people aren't here to hear how smart I am. They're here in order to learn how to deadlift. And, and that right there, that in that moment transformed me as a coach, but I believe it also transformed me as a pastor make sense? Uh, I'm not here to wow you with props. I'm not here to wow you with a big screen and with streamers and fire and all of these things. The simplicity of the gospel is enough, right? You guys were probably wondering how I was going to tie that all in together, but we put it together, right? That was pretty good. It says, I'm not here preaching God's secret with fancy words or a show of human wisdom. You didn't show up for me to wow you with big words and uh, theology and, in, and going into these deep thoughts, right? The gospel is simple. The word of God hasn't changed. It's the same yesterday, today, and forever. The word of God does the changing. It's not the man of God. It's not the messenger. It's 
It's not the one who does the delivering. It's the word. And, and if we could just get into the habit of showing up on a consistent basis, right? And, and that's what we've done here. 139 days, many times in a garage, in a Jeep. No fancy uh, pageantry. There's no show. There's no anything. But we show up consistently and allow the word of God to do the transformation, to do the changing, to do the challenging. I love how Paul says, I have decided that while I was with you, I would forget about everything except Jesus Christ and his death on the cross, right? I'm going to forget about everything. I'm not going to exalt my problems. I'm not going to exalt my suffering. I'm not going to exalt my trauma. I'm not going to exalt my financial issues. I'm not going to exalt my relationship problems. I'm not going to exalt my health issues. I'm going to forget about everything. I'm going to forget about politics. I'm going to forget about every single thing except Jesus Christ and his death on the cross. That is the most important thing. That is what my life is centered around. These are not my words. These are the words of Paul. So so, so he wants to forget. He is so focused. His mind is on the cross. He, he wakes up and every day he's on a mission. He, he, he has God's plan, purpose, and will in mind. He wakes up and he's a heat-seeking missile. His mission and his goal is to make Jesus more known. He has forgot about everything. And the beauty of this, right? And I can speak from experience. Uh, the beauty of when you forget about everything except Jesus, everything else seems to take care of itself. Now, I'm not talking about being uh, blissfully ignorant, right? And, and ignoring things, right? If your foot is on fire, put your foot, put put it out. But, but at the same time, if I'm so consumed with all of the things that are happening around me and to me and in my life, and I'm missing the point, I'm missing the message, I'm missing the assignment, the mission that I was created to complete. If that's, if I can't focus on that and all of these other things uh, are, are so heavy, they strangle that out. They, they, they consume me and I'm not able to walk in the purpose that God created me for. Um, in Matthew, it talks about the parable of seed, right? In, in the gospel, more than once the parable of the seeds where the seed fell on good road and it was able to take root and it was able to grow up right but then there was some seed that was thrown amongst the weeds and and, and the thorns and as the weeds grew it choked out the good seed and the, the what what the the thorns and the weeds represented were the worries and the cares of this world and here Paul's saying I'm, I'm gonna focus I'm not gonna focus on the cares and the worries they're gonna be there they're gonna be challenging they're gonna come to distract they're gonna try, come to take my attention and pull my focus away but I must continue to place my eyes on the prize and the prize is eternal salvation through the death, burial, and resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Right? Glory to God. I would forget, he says, I would forget about everything except Jesus Christ and his death on the cross. To many and to the world that looks fanatical, right? That looks, that looks maniacal. Uh, that, that looks like you are a psychopath. Right? You, you, you're so focused on Jesus. You're consumed by this Jesus. You're consumed by the gospel. You're consumed by the Bible. When do you have a chance to live your life? It, what, what, the way that I'm living, the way that we as followers of Jesus are living our life, it looks crazy compared to what this world thinks. This world tells us to follow our heart. This world tells us to do what makes you happy as long as it doesn't hurt anybody else, right? This world is completely in 
conflict with what the word of God is telling us. And from the outside world looking in, we look crazy. I've literally had people unfollow uh, and push me away or cut me out of their life because I've become, uh, I've become obsessed with Jesus, right? obsessed. There was a time in my life where I used to post about fitness and health and nutrition. I had all of these followers because they love my health nutrition expertise uh, because that was my career. And when I started uh, inching the health and fitness stuff out and, you know, planting in the word of God, things started to change and shift and people would be like, wow, you know, oh, I love that you found your faith. That's awesome. But when I went all in and I said, you know what? None of this matters. I don't care how good of shape you're in. I don't care what your body looks like. I don't care what your your health uh, status is. You can be the healthiest person in the world yet not know Jesus. And what does it profit a man to gain the world yet lose his soul? What does it profit a man to, to have the body of a, of a model yet have the a, a dark heart? Uh, have no relationship with God, be completely void of, of the Holy Spirit. It doesn't matter. And so for me, I had this conviction. I'm over here helping change people's lives physically, but they're spiritually lost. Why is it that this person's in great shape physically, but they're still struggling and bound to anxiety and depression? And why uh, why is it that they have this amazing physicality, yet they are thinking about harming themselves or they're still addicted and bound to pornography? Why is it that I'm helping these people in the physical realm and, and, and yet they are still so lost and broken? and empty and it clicked I was put on this world yes to be a coach yes to encourage yes to motivate yes to inspire not physically but spiritually God allowed me to see these individuals who are in peak shape. God allowed me to get in the best shape that I possibly could, yet he allowed me to reflect and look within and say, man, even though I've uh, achieved this this, uh, physicality that many would envy, I'm still empty and broken and lost. I'm not here to save the body. I'm here to help individuals save their soul. And so from the outside world looking in, they started to see me make this change and many people walked away. pushed me away. They turned their back on me because it was too much, right? You can have a little bit of Jesus, but, but all the way sold out. Now, every post is about Jesus. Every post is a prayer. Every post is about the Bible. Every post is about the scripture. It's a little too much, right? It's just a little too much. You need to water it down. You need to sprinkle it down. Every now and again, you should mix in a silly post or you should mix in a fitness post, but that's a little too much Jesus. I don't know about you, but I understand that time is short. It is of the utmost importance that we make first things first. I want to forget about everything except for the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And I have so much faith and belief in my God. If I put him first and make him the center point of my life, everything else will work itself out for his glory. That's how much trust I have. That's how much faith. That doesn't mean that I neglect areas of my life. I still tend to my health. I still tend to my friendships and relationships. I still tend to my finances. I still tend to those things. I don't leave them just like, oh, well, God's going to fix it. No, I'm still aware, but those are not the things that drive me. Those are not the focal point or the center point of my life. I forget about everything else except for Jesus. And as I am pursuing him, he is leading me and guiding me in each one of those areas, helping me to make choices and decisions 
situations that bring glory and honor to him. But when all I can do is focus on my circumstances and the things that are going on around me, when those become my focal point, then I allow my feelings and emotions to dictate my actions and to dictate my mood and to dictate how I'm feeling. And I allow them to dictate how I view life. But if I'm constantly focused on those things and those things are constantly changing, then I am on this roller coaster and this wave of emotion. I have nothing to stand firm on. I have nothing that will ground me. I have nothing that will anchor me. But if I focus and build on Jesus, which is the rock, which is the foundation, which is unshakable and immovable, as the circumstances around me change, I am on solid ground. I know who I am. I know where I am. I know who I serve. And I know what's most important. So I... For me and me and my house, we will forget all of these other things. We will be considered maniacal and a fanatic. And you will think that I might be a little too much on the Jesus train. I might think, I might think that, you know, I might put too much emphasis on serving God, but that's why I'm here. When you find something that moves you, when you find something that is purposeful, when you find something that, that has changed and transformed your life to the extent that it has for me, this is what I want my life to be. When I found CrossFit, I'm going to go back to CrossFit, right? When I found CrossFit, that's all I could talk about. I had to buy the shoes. I had to get the shirts. I had the headbands. I posted on Facebook. Every time I went, I checked in. I was fanatical. People were like, gosh, all you ever talk about is CrossFit, CrossFit, CrossFit. I got tattoos about CrossFit, right? That's what's on my hand. This is, these are barbells and kettlebells because I was a fitness fanatic. This is a kettlebell on my, my arm right here, kettlebells. Like I, I loved fitness. All I could ever do was think about working out and fitness and CrossFit and everybody knew where I stood on that topic. Why would it be any different for something that transformed my soul because CrossFit transformed my body and, and it helped with my mindset. But, but, but the lover of my soul, when I understand that a man who was innocent, pure and blameless carried the burden of my sin when he did nothing to deserve it. And he transformed and what he did, listen, what he did is he tore the veil so that I could have a relationship with God and so that my sins could be forgiven, not just so I could go to heaven when I take my last breath, but that I could have a relationship with God while I'm here on this wicked, evil, broken world that's expiring before my eyes. When I start to understand that, you better believe that I'm going to be a fanatic for Jesus. Every breath that I breathe, every post that I post, every thought that I think, everything that I'm doing, I'm capturing to his obedience. And I want the world to know about the savior of my soul, the one who transformed my life and changed everything. And the, the, the way that I, uh, the way that I am going to tie this in, listen, the way that I tie this in is if we move forward, It says that, however, I speak a wisdom to those who are mature, but this wisdom is not from this world or from the rulers of this world who are losing their power, right? It looks foolish to the world because it's not from the world. It says now in verse four, my teaching and preaching were not with words of human wisdom that persuade people, but with proof of the power of, uh, that the spirit gives. He says, I speak a wisdom to those who are mature, but this wisdom is not from this world. God's secret wisdom. In verse seven, he says, I speak God's secret wisdom, which he has kept hidden. Before the world began, God planned this wisdom for our glory. It says, none of the rulers of this world understood it. 
Because if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. They didn't understand. This wisdom that we have, this passion, this knowledge, this excitement, um, that feeling that you you feel. Again, we're not moved by feelings and emotions. We understand uh, that there are times, just like yesterday when we hopped into Psalms, there was just like, I got nothing. I wasn't, if, if I, if I had predicated my relationship with God on how I feel after reading the scripture, then, then yesterday, as I read Psalms, I wouldn't have felt like God was with me. If I was just like, okay, Lord, speak to me, speak to me, uh, in one And I'm just like, what? Okay. That's weird. If I, if I allowed that, which is a feeling of feeling like, oh gosh, I didn't get anything. If I allowed that to dictate my, my response and my understanding of who God is, then there would be a lot of times where I don't feel him or I don't sense him or uh, I'm not getting little goose pimples or goose bumps. Um, and so God must not be with me. Like God is not a feeling. It's a no, he's a knowing God, God is with you always. And because what we know, because the secret wisdom that was given to us, we know who he is. And, and we know that uh, he is not just a feeling. Can he be? Absolutely. There's times when we're in here and we're praying and I could feel the presence and the, the heaviness. There's times that where I've literally, I, I felt him just sitting next to us as we're praying or saving souls. Or there's been times when I've just felt his cover. There, there are times, don't get me wrong, but that's not what I base my understanding of who he is on is the feeling. If I get to that feeling, awesome. That's, that's a great feeling and it's unrivaled and it only adds confirmation to my belief and my understanding. I believe that it's that it's part of that secret wisdom of the, and, and it's a, it's like a, it's a, it's a part of it. It's like a bonus. The fact that we can sit here and sometimes really feel his presence, but that's not what I'm searching for is a feeling. I'm searching for a knowing. Does that make sense? I've talked about this before. I feel like this generation has, um, They've become addicted to the feeling of God and not the knowing of God, right? That's a tweet in and of itself right there. This generation has become addicted to the feeling of God and not the knowing of God. They're ruled by their feelings and their emotions. They need to feel him. And if they don't feel him, then he must not be here. But that couldn't be further from the truth. We know that he's here because that's what his word tells us, right? Woo, Holy Spirit. I'm going to jump down here and kind of take a different path uh, in what verse is this? It looks like verse 11. It says, no one knows the thoughts of God except for the spirit of God, right? Nobody knows the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. And in verse 12, it says, now we did not receive the spirit of the world, but we received the spirit that is from God so that we can know all that God has given us. And it says, and we speak about these things, not with words taught us uh, by human wisdom, but with words taught us by the spirit. And so we explain spiritual truths to spiritual people. A person who does not have the spirit does not accept the truths that come from the spirit of God. Now, I share, I love this because I, I like to refer back to my past just to make a point. Um, there was a time before I was saved where people would talk spiritual things to me. And I can look back. I remember there was an intervention that was done on my life when I was like, I think 15 or 16 years old. I was a junior in high school. And people in my life saw the path that I was going down. I was skipping school. I was on smoker's corner. I was smoking weed in the bathroom at school. I was uh, sleeping with, uh, you know, a bunch of different women in, in school. Like I was up, I was a menace to society, man. And they did something. They, they got one of these uh, 
college football players from the local college that we we lived in the city. It's a college town. And they had one of them pick me up from school. They pulled me out of class, picked me up from school, and he was a Christian. And I remember he took me down to uh, Sherry's and he, he bought me breakfast and we had a conversation. And I remember that he was trying to speak these spiritual truths. And he was a, he was an older black man. And, and they, they realized that I didn't have a male role model. They didn't, they realized that it was a predominantly white town. And so it, they were doing their best to try to put a positive black role model who was a Christian into my life. And, and I just remember sitting there at breakfast and I don't even remember what he said. Everything that he said went in one ear and out the other. All I could think about was first, this is lame. I can't believe you guys would single me out and do this interview. Intervention. I can't believe you know you guys would do all of this and all I could think about was going back to school so I could get high and it reminds me that I wasn't I, I, I hadn't received the Holy Spirit I, I wasn't receptive to what God was doing it's funny because I can look back and retrospect and see how God was reaching out there were all of these different moments and times where God was trying to grab a hold of me to embrace me to bring me home to give me eyes to see to give me these divine deep revelations of who he was was, or who he is and, and who I was, but I was so uh, embedded in this world. I was so locked into my sin. I was so blinded by the wisdom of this world. The only thing that I could do was get angry. How dare they? I took offense to people loving me. I took offense to people caring about me, right? Imagine that. I took offense to people trying to reach out and save me. But in that moment, I was so blinded to the truth. And this just reminds me, it says a person who does not have the spirit does not accept the truths that come from the spirit of God. I was so, my heart was so hardened, right? I, 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 had, I didn't want anything to do with the truth, nothing to do with it, nothing to do with it. And so uh, it, it's just, um, mm. Holy Spirit, help me. I, I read this and it's like, I, I feel like a lot of you guys know that. Not all of us grew up in a church, right? Not all of us grew up in a church. Not all of us uh, received the Spirit. I know, for, I have friends who are just like, I got saved when I was five. And I'm like, I love that for you. And, and I want my kids, my kids received the Lord at a young age. You didn't have to go through everything that I went through. And I, I love that. But um, I do think that it, it brings a sense of like, hey, don't judge a book by its cover. Um, be sensitive to what other people are going through. Not everybody's path and journey to Christ is the same. Not everybody uh, finds Jesus. Not everybody accepts them. Not everybody's heart is softened. But I, I love that God never gave up. He never turned his back. He continued to pursue me relentlessly. And a couple of years later, um, I did end up giving my life to Christ at 17. Although I didn't start living this great life and pursuing him, it took years for me to um, you know, uh, make a decision to actually live for him. But this reminds me, as we're ministering to people, right? A person who does not have the Spirit does not accept the truths that come from the Spirit of God. That person thinks they are foolish and cannot understand them because they can only be judged to be true by the Spirit. So, so we have people in our lives, many of us, and, and I firmly believe that all of us have been called to be missionaries. Um, we've all been called, and, and your mission's filled before you guys are just like, hold on, Andrew. You're telling me you want me to pack my bag, sell everything, and go overseas. A missionary is not just that. I believe that we're all in a missions field. The Your sphere of influence, the people who you come into contact with on a daily basis are a part of your missions field. Your missions field can be digital. 
right? It could be on social media. It could be in your life. Your missions field could be your friends, your family, your friend group, your school, your workplace. We're all in these missions fields, okay? Um, but we, we have to remember that it's not our job to drop sinners to their knees in that place and get them saved on the spot. It's our job and our mission to be planting seeds. And, and don't get discouraged when sometimes you might be ministering somebody to somebody or sharing the gospel or sharing the truth. Uh, God's word doesn't return void. And so many times you feel like you're just talking to a brick wall, you're talking to a blank slate. The God's word is doing its work. You're planting the seed. And now what God's doing is he's watering it behind the scenes. He's cultivating it. You don't know what's going on in their heart. You don't know what's going on behind closed doors. You don't know what's going on in their life. God can very much be cultivating and tending the soil and softening the heart. And, um, you know, you know, when, when, you, you're 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 thinking about something and you constantly see reminders. I've talked to people who are non-believers and I'll share something with them. And they're just like, man, that's crazy. I've heard that same thing you said like four times in the last week. And I'm just like, I look up to God. And I'm like, oh, I see you, Lord. So, so there's times where even atheists, non-believers, people who are backslid, as we're planting seeds, trust that you're probably not the only seed planter, that God's probably reaching out to them through that show that they're watching, or maybe the song that they're listening to. Even if it's secular, God's, he's reaching out and he's, he's softening their heart and he's finding different ways to get a hold of them. And then you ask a little bit of emphasis and you're sprinkling a little water then there's a little sunshine and then there's all of these things that are happening and I can look at my life that's how it was there was all of these little things where God kept popping up and I was just like oh what is going on why he's everywhere he's pursuing me I can't escape the spirit of God he wants to get a hold of me ah here he is and it's finally like I'm just gonna stop running God here's my life it's a broken mess it's filled with sin and wickedness and evil thoughts, debauchery. I'm so ashamed of what I've made this life, God. And he's saying, hey, I love you. I forgive you. Receive my son. Repent. Let's change. And let's go on this journey together, right? I've been there. I've been there. So it just reminds me, right? Who, he who does not have the spirit does not accept the truths that come from the spirit of God. That person thinks they're foolish and they can't understand them because they can only be judged by the, uh, to be true by the spirit. The spiritual person is able to judge all things, but no one can judge him. The scripture says, who has known the mind of the Lord? Who has been able to teach him? But we have the mind of Christ, right? It's this powerful idea is God's ways are higher than ours. Um, and that's what, I think that's where the grace comes from is we it, it, I can't be a judge jury and executioner I can't tell you that so and so cannot be saved that they can't change based on their sin based on their past based on where they're at right now I, I don't know the very person that we write off and turn our back on, the, the very people that we sell into slavery and we throw into pits, I'm, I'm referencing Joseph right, the, the, the brother who was discarded, thrown into a pit who ended up in slavery, who ended up in prison, the one that everybody had forgotten about, God used to redeem. So we can't be so quick to judge people in the chapter that they're in, in the place that they're in. The very person that you might be turning your back on or writing off or giving up on could be the very person who God wants to use. And, and we're so quick to write people off or to label them as evil or label them as a lost cause. We, we're so quick to turn our back on individuals 
individuals. And I'm not saying that you need to stay in an abusive relationship because you've got to forgive. I'm not saying that you have to be a Christian doormat. Those aren't the things that I'm saying. But just because somebody's lost or because they're living a lifestyle that you don't agree with or because their opinion doesn't line up with yours or because they're doing something or acting a certain way, it doesn't mean that they are beyond repair. It doesn't mean that they've reached a place that God can't fix or God can't get a hold of them, right? It says, who can know the mind of the Lord? Who, who has known the mind of the Lord? Who is able, who's been able to teach him? So you're going to tell me that your human knowledge, your, your time and experience on this earth has put you in such a place where you can now dictate the future of other people. What? That's crazy. That's crazy. That's crazy. God is good. God is so, so good. We have the mind of Christ. It's because of his <clears throat> it's because of his death, burial, and resurrection. You guys, the death, burial, and resurrection. Lucas, stop yelling at us with all those caps, man. We're preaching the gospel. Nobody's ashamed here. Chill. <laughs> I just think that's funny. Okay, Lucas, we hear you, brother. Yes. We're not ashamed. We're not ashamed. Please stop screaming at us with all those capitalized letters. Shout out to the mug. Royal City Church. God is so good. God is so good. So good. But that's that's kind of what, what was led to me on uh, Second Corinth or First Corinthians chapter two. <laughs> Lucas says, sorry, man. It's all good, fam. We got you. <laughs> It's a distraction. I keep looking up and it's just like, man, Lucas, stop yelling, bro. We love Jesus. We're preaching repentance. We're preaching the death, burial, and resurrection. We're teaching about turning from sin. We love you too, Lucas. We know you got a good heart. You're in here just, you're just taking it, taking a chance to, to preach the gospel. God bless you. I love that. See, I love that we can laugh about it and have a good time. Um, so here in 123, Psalm 123. Oh man, Shelly, you're good. Shelly knows, hey, she's seen the pivot. Shelly noticed the pivot. Before I could, I was literally about to say, can somebody put 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and, and Psalm 123? <laughs> she said, er, I know the pivot. I know when he's about to switch gears. You nailed it. <clears throat> so it says, uh, there's two things that really stood out. And we're going we're gonna to lock into this. Verse 1, um, it says, unto thee I lift up my eyes. And then in verse two, it says, our eyes wait upon the Lord, our God. And, and I like the, the analogy that they use. They said, behold, as the eyes of servants look unto the hand of their master, and as the eyes of a maiden unto the hand of her mistress. Okay, this is not what it says, but I'm going to use this example. When I read as a, a servant is looking at the hand of his master, <clears throat> Right, I'm thinking of like it's it's payday. He's sitting there and he's just waiting patiently, and he knows that he's going to receive, uh, uh, you know, his payment for the work that he's been doing. But for some reason, I get this picture of a good dog. Okay, and I'm not so please don't. Oh my gosh, I don't. This isn't heresy. I'm just thinking of like a good dog sitting there waiting for the master to give him a treat. Okay, I'm not saying that we're dogs. I'm not saying that we're animals. But I, I just got this picture of a good boy. A good boy, a good 
pup that's sitting there patiently waiting and he's got his treat and he's just waiting for him to get the the word and and it's just like my eyes i want my eyes to be so fixed on the master yes i know the master calls us as children yes i know the master calls us his friend i understand that we are friends of god i know who we are but like I said, man, I want to serve God, not out of an obligation, not because I owe him anything. I don't want to serve God because I'm scared to go to hell. I serve God because I love him. And, and I am expectantly, I'm sitting here so patient, just like, God, I can't wait for you to come back. I can't wait for you to get here. And while I'm waiting, my eyes are on you. I'm not, I'm not so concerned with my life and my things. I understand that this ain't about me. You're such a good master. The fact that you took my sins, the fact that you took my, my, my penalty, you paid the price for my sins, that your son, his death, burial, and resurrection, it, it, it tore the veil so I can have a relationship with you. God, I owe you everything. You don't say that, but I just want to give you everything. I want you to have my heart. I want you to have my life. I want you to have my breath. I want to preach the gospel. I want other people to experience this transformational love and power that you allowed me to experience. You guys, it is a privilege. It is something, right? It, it is. We have become entitled as Christians, right? That We have become entitled. We have missed the beauty of what is actually going on. We have missed the beauty of what is actually transpiring here. Is we take it for granted because these Bibles are found everywhere, especially in, in our neck of the woods, because they're found in hotel drawers, because you can just go anywhere, right? Like we've taken it for granted and we forget what really happened? It's easy to just kind of, oh yeah, Jesus died for our sins. He was beaten and he was hung on a cross and we're forgiven. But anyway, and we just kind of keep it pushing. Guys, it blows my mind daily. Every single day that I wake up and we do coffee and prayer, I'm just like, wow, God, you're so good. You are so good. Lord, you love me. God, you love me so much that you knew my past, present, and future sins. You knew all of the things that I would do, yet you still thought that I was to die for. It crushes me in a good way. It's such a heavy reality that before I was lost, guys, eternally separated from God, you and I were separated from God because of our sin. And, and he took the penalty, the price, he took the wrath of God for us so that we could know him. And the fact that the Holy Spirit dwells inside of us. I've been on this kick. You guys, I want us to wake up. I want us to know who we are. You are no longer a slave to sin. You are no longer bound to the fleshly desires and the temptations that you struggle with. You no longer have to bow to every little uh, thing that rises itself up and exalts itself to God. You are powerful. You have so much authority. You have so much boldness and confidence in the Lord. I, I just pray that we, we get to a place as followers and disciples of Christ that we start walking in it. We start living in it. We start owning it. We start understanding who we are and, and the precious treasure that we have. You guys, we are, we are so blessed. We have the privilege of knowing the gospel. You guys, it is a privilege. Do you know people who are lost? I do. And to, and, and the fact that God chose me 
to know his word. He chose me to know him. That is a privilege. It is a privilege. It is a privilege. Please don't take it for granted. Oh, man. I share this uh, that, you know, if you had the cure to cancer, right? I'm going to do this whole thing again. If you had the cure for cancer, what would you do? I, I, I would, I would assume you would tell the world about it because cancer has wrecked lives. It's hurt people. People are dying. The process of chemotherapy, watching somebody be an eaten, you know, alive from the inside out, like the process, I, I believe that cancer has probably touched every single person on this live in some way, shape or form. If it wasn't a family member that was close, it was a family member that was far, or it was a friend, or it was a friend of a family, it, like cancer has ruined and wrecked lives. And this isn't about cancer, but if you had the cure for cancer, you would scream it from the rooftops. You wouldn't allow one more person to have to suffer from cancer because you understand the implication of how hard and how terrorizing it is. But we have something greater than the cure to cancer, my friends. We have the cure to sin and eternal separation from God. But how many of us are yelling it from the rooftops, right? Many of us are scared uh, or, or even as Lucas was yelling at us, ashamed of the gospel because the gospel is offensive. The gospel is confrontational. The gospel brings conflict because it stands in opposition to the wisdom of this world. Uh, so, so many of us, for fear of being shamed, for fear of being rejected, for fear of being pushed away, for the fear of, of not fitting in, we water ourselves down. We bend and twist and manipulate our own convictions in order to you know, fit in right? To, to, to blend in. We don't want to ruffle feathers. We don't want to stir up the waters. We don't want to hurt relationships. So we are willing to allow people to uh, basically perish in their sin without knowing the truth of the gospel uh, for, for the sake of living a life that is comfortable, right? I don't know about you, but I would rather offend you or hurt your feelings into heaven than stand by and watch you perish, right? And watch you perish. We are called, you guys, you guys have been, you were made for such a time as now. Each and every one of you, there's over 500 of you on here. Listen, you were made for such a time as now. God didn't make, uh, he didn't make a mistake when he put you here. He has you here for a specific purpose. There is a specific mission filled in your life who need to know the love, light, and power and the transformational uh, persons of Jesus Christ. That's why you're here. You're not here to get the biggest boat to get the nicest clothes, to have the nicest body. You're not here to have the most experiences. You're not here to have the iciest Instagram page. You're not here for those things. You guys, why do you think that I, I take out every morning of, uh, you know, of, of my day? Like I said, man, I'm not here to get a hold of you about your car's extended warranty, right? I'm not here to try to sell you a timeshare. I'm not here for anything. Um, badges are, are primarily gone. I think the last couple of days we, we brought in 14 bucks. I'm not here for money. I'm not here for badges. I'm here because I love you. I'm here because I care for you. I'm here because God has put a burden on my heart for souls. And that's what we're here for. I'm here to help create an environment 
glory to God, that is loving, that is teaching, that is discipling, that is encouraging, but that is mission-oriented, where we're rising up and we're moving forward, where you leave this place on fire for the Lord, wearing him on your sleeve, taking him everywhere that you go, and, and being active in this mission field. That's why we were made. That is who uh, that that is who God made you to be, and you were made for this moment, Amen. Made for this moment. That's it. It's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing. And so uh, while we wait, my eyes are on the Lord. If He says sit, I'm going to sit. If He says jump, jump. If He says shake, I'm going to shake. If He wants me to spin, I'm going to spin. I want my life, every breath that I breathe, everything that I do to reflect the goodness and, and the love and, and the passion, the power of Jesus. And when I'm wrong, I'm, I'm okay with being corrected. When I'm, when I'm wrong, I want to be disciplined. I want to be taught. I want to do better. I don't want to repeat the same mistakes over and over and over again. And I just want to share something. I said something about the badges. Now everybody's buying badges. Stop. That's not what it's, I promise you that's not what it's about. Um, it's just, I, I'm, I'm making a point that I'm not here for, I don't want anything from you guys. I don't get paid for this. I don't want anything from you guys. I'm here because I love you and I care. And God has placed a burden on my heart that we collectively 500 of us we have a mission every single day when god gives you a new fresh 24 hours on your shot clock you need to be putting up some shots you need to be uh focused on him my eyes are on the lord this next 24 hours is not about me right if i focus on him all of those other things are going to be taken care of you start to see him move in ways that are beyond your 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 wildest dreams like god is so intricate he he cares so much about you he just wants you to put your eyes on him make your life about him and everything else falls into his proper place right things start to make more sense i, I don't know how to explain it i don't think i'm doing a very good job of it because in the moment <clears throat> and people will say it's easier said than done. And and sometimes it is. Um, I get that the bills are real. I get that, you know, when somebody hurts themselves or dies, I, I get how heavy that is because I've experienced all of those things. But when my hope and my trust and my eyes are on him, it's all about him. Those things, they start to hit different. They, they make more sense. I don't know how to explain. I, I'm doing a poor job of it. I just pray that you guys get it. I just pray that you guys get it. I don't even know what else to say. I love you guys. And I think this is a good place to stop. Holy Spirit's heavy. If I could if I could get one thing, if I could get one point across, it would just be man, just literally put God first. That's it. That's it. Put God first. Put God first in everything. My heart breaks when I read the comments, when I read messages, when I read the pain and the hurt and the struggle and the amount of people who are lost, um, the blindness to truth, right? I've got Christian brothers and sisters who are like, they're, they're just so oblivious to the truth. Hey, Andrew, what should I do? Like, like simple things, you know, Hey, Andrew, what should I do? Uh, you know, I found this woman who's great. She's kind. She's nice. She's gentle, but she doesn't believe in God. She's not a Christian. She doesn't follow, you know, we don't, our, our beliefs and things don't line up. And I'm just like, what does the Bible say? 
I don't know. That's why I asked you. And it's just like, oh, my heart hurts. Is like, no, we got, we can do better. You're a Christian. You love Jesus. What you have to run to the scripture. Don't run to me. I want you guys to be passionate. I want you guys to know the resources. I want you guys to like, just to be awake to what is going on. And, and, oh man, my heart hurts when people, yeah. When people are they're they're so frustrated and they're quick to make excuses for their actions, right? Can we just call wrong, wrong? Can we call sin, sin? And can we stop trying to uh, justify our actions? You know what I mean? Can we stop trying to justify our actions or make excuses? If, if I'm wrong, I'm wrong, man. I got on here and I snapped at somebody the other day. And um, I could sit here and justify, well, I was in the flow. Well, uh, you know, I'm reading a lot of questions. I could go through and, and make all of the, the excuses of why I snapped. But at the end of the day, I was wrong. I needed to repent. And I needed to ask for forgiveness and, and just say, hey, I'm going to do better. I'm not going to do that again. God, teach me from that. I'm not going to jump on every time that I see a comment or, uh, you know, because there's so much lost in translation. I needed to repent. I needed to do better so rather than trying to iron out my mistake and, and try to justify my actions. If we can get to a place where we're just like, ugh, I struggled, I fell, I slipped, I messed up. Can we get to a better place where we're just like, I own it. I'm going to be accountable. Holy Spirit, change me. Let's work on it. Let's do better. Right? Amen. Mm, pride. Come on. Pride, come on. That's something I think we all struggle with. Whoo. Amen. Let's 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 pray. Let's get up out of here. I definitely feel like I'm just lingering. Holy Spirit's heavy though. I honor you guys and I love you and I thank you. So let's pray. Mm. Father God, we just want to thank you for your word. Um, we want to thank you for these short chapters uh, that you've given us today. We know that they're gonna get long. But you still show up. You still speak to us through your word. And um, we just ask that you would write your word on the tablet of our heart. That we would leave this place changed and transformed. That we would know you better, know you deeper. Um, we are grateful for who you are. And God, we're grateful for the divine revelation of who your son is. That you have given us eyes to see. Uh, that you've softened our heart. And that you've allowed your Holy Spirit to dwell within us. Um, we understand that it is a privilege. We understand that it was by grace. That there's nothing that we've done to earn it. God, if we're filled with pride, let us let our pride be in the fact that Jesus suffered for our sins. Let our pride, let us be prideful and boastful in Jesus, not in anything that we've done, not in anything that that we've said, not in who we are, but in who He is. That is where our pride and our, our boastfulness should come. We should boast in the Lord. Holy Spirit, we, we just lay down all of our fears, our worries, our concerns. Uh, many of us are burdened with questions of what if or how, when, why. Lord, help us to take solace in the answer. And the answer is in who. The who is you. God, we trust in you. Our faith is in you. Our peace comes from you. Our joy comes from you. Our comfort comes from you. Help us to place our eyes on you, not on the cares and the worries and the chaos that's happening in this world. God, we lift up our prayer requests, um, the things that are weighing us down, we ask that you would carry, the things that are burdening us, we ask that you would shoulder that load. But God, we need you. Uh, we cannot do this without you, God. We're not even trying to do this without you. We're running to you. 
and asking for your strength. We're asking for your endurance. We're asking for you to take the will and, and to tie our hands behind our back so that we don't try to take it back. We want what you want for us, Lord. We Our heart beats for what your heart beats for. Our heart hurts for the things that hurt your heart. God, right now we ask that your will would be done in our lives in every single area. God, in our relationships, in our finances, in our health, in our ministry, in our servitude, in everything that we can think of, uh, that, that your will would be done. And give us, Lord, the discernment to understand that a no, a not yet, or, or, or a yes, whatever the answer is, that it has your goodness written all over it. We don't know your mind. We can't put you in a box. We can't even begin to fathom of how good you are. We really can't. Lord, we can't. You are so good and faithful and righteous and your ways are so high and far above ours. We can't even begin to fathom uh, the, the plans and the purposes and the wills, the ways that you work in our life but we surrender it all to you and we ask that your will would be done here on this earth as it is in heaven. God, forgive us for our sins and help us to forgive those who have sinned against us. God, that's, that's not a choice. That's not an option. Help us to forgive those who have sinned against us because you have been so gracious and merciful and patient with your servants. God, we love you. We thank you and we praise you and we pray this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen and amen. Glory to God. I love you guys and I honor you. Today just kind of, today, <coughs> excuse me, just feels different. There's not a heaviness. There's just a different kind of flow. And um, I'm embracing it, man. I'm running with it. I'm running with it. I, I I really am. I don't know what today. I feel there there's something, there's something on the horizon. Something is going to break in the spiritual realm today. And I'm not sitting here like if you send me 999, your prayer is going to be answered. It's It sounds so schmarmy and cheesy. I just feel as we're here, something is going to break in the spiritual realm. And I don't know who or for what, but I just pray that this break that we experience is just this surge of purpose, this surge of, of vision and direction. I feel like we've got our marching orders. There's 500 of us strong Think of the impact that we can make as we leave this place and we're like heat-seeking missiles looking for people to throw seed at, right? No longer am I just like spreading seed, man. I'm winding up and I'm throwing it. I'm hitting people in the face with seed. I want people to get saved. I want chains to be broken. I want generational curses to stop at you, right? No more will immorality go past me, right? Like I, I struggled with these things. I've made a decision. No more Will, will my family deal with poverty mindset? No more will, and I'm not talking about just money. I'm talking about not having enough. I'm talking about poverty in the sense that I'm not able to give and to bless others because I'm so consumed. I come from a stingy family, and I believe that being stingy is a real quick way to stay where you are at. There was no generosity. What they had was theirs and they were gonna hold on to it no matter what. They weren't gonna give anything. Their hands were constantly like this. They were white knuckling everything that they get. That's a poverty mindset. And so no longer will that poverty mindset be uh, in my family. We're like this. What I have, you can have. It's yours. I don't care. I don't care about it because it's just material. It's yours. You need money. You need, you need these things. They're yours. Take it. 
So no longer will a poverty mindset continue in my lineage. No longer will addiction to drugs, sex, alcohol, immorality, no longer, no longer will violence go further than me, right? So, so right now, I believe that that's the same for a lot of you guys. You're making a stand. That's what's breaking. We're breaking generational curses. Glory to God and hallelujah. That's what it is. People today are waking up. People today are making a stand. People today are saying no more. People today are making a decision to make their life about him. People today are rising above their circumstances, their suffering, their pain, and their trauma. Today, no longer will our generate, like no longer will our trauma define who we are. No longer will our past define who we are. No longer from today. That's what's being broken. Generational curses. Woo! That's what's happening. I feel it in the spirit, man. Some of you guys woke up today. Some of you guys got it today. And that's what this is all about, baby. We're marching. We're marching. We're marching for him. Amen. That's what it is. I feel it in my my, my spirit. I don't know who it is. I don't know, but glory to God. I love you guys. I honor you and... um. We'll be back here tomorrow. We'll see what God brings tomorrow. Every day is a journey. Every day is amazing. But uh, have an amazing day, and we'll see you guys later.